Hey everyone, welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today is Kwame Christian. He is a lawyer and a master negotiator winning multiple competitions that we get into a little bit during the course of this conversation. He's also started the American Negotiation Institute along with his own law firm all before the age of 30. He is a young hustler and definitely someone that you can look to and attempt to emulate. We talk about negotiation, we talk about business, and just have a great conversation and he issues a pretty fun challenge at the end. So please stay tuned and enjoy my conversation with Kwame Christian. So Kwame, thank you so much for coming on my show today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited to be speaking with you. One of my good friends actually just graduated from law school, and she is uh, just entering the working world as a professional lawyer. So I've kind of gotten a little bit of uh, secondhand stories about what that experience looks like and what that goes into. But I'm excited to be speaking to someone who is in that field and has accomplished so much at such a young age. Well, (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so to start things off a little bit, let's talk about your background. You started your own law firm uh, while you're still in your 20s, which is not something many people can say. Take me through the process of making that decision and what encouraged you or what was the catalyst for making that move? Yeah, I um, I was raised by entrepreneurs. So uh, my family is from the Caribbean. I'm first generation American. So I always had that entrepreneurial bug. And so when I graduated from law school, um, I took a job doing social justice work. And um, I knew it. I knew it wasn't for me. It was good work. I was helping the community, but I knew it. I wasn't passionate about it. I wanted to start my own thing. And so, for me, having a law degree, being a licensed attorney, it seemed kind of obvious. The easiest um, path for entrepreneurship for me was to just start my own law firm. And so I started that at at 25 and um, started working with startups and entrepreneurs and was actually able to build that on the side for about a year and a half while still working full-time as a legal analyst. And then um, I just took the plunge and quit my job earlier this year, and I've been doing it solo ever since. Nice. Uh, Tell me a little bit more. So in terms of the services that you're offering, you talked about uh, entrepreneurs and startups. What kind of stuff do you help them with? Yeah, so they come to me when they want to start a business and um, when they need help continuing the business. Um, so, for instance, it would be helping them incorporate, drafting the partnership agreement or operating agreement. And then as they're operating the business, they need contracts and legal counsel, and I provide that as well. And if they encounter any problems, I'm able to lean on my negotiation skills to help um, help them get out of some sticky situations, too. Nice. Yeah, and you uh, also founded the American Negotiation Institute. We're going to dive into some negotiations negotiation techniques here uh, in a little bit. But I actually have a a question that I I don't usually get to ask any of my guests. But since you're in this background of law, you talked about drawing up these documents. You know, I see ads for LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer and all these kind of online, get your legal documents done type of services. And what I've always assumed is that that's some kind of very cookie cutter 101 basic document. But can you maybe go into a little bit of detail about what 
your how your offering might differ from one of those such services right and and you're right they are cookie cutter um what every business needs is a custom legal document so you know it uh, it's a good place for to start if you know exactly what you're doing so a lot of attorneys actually will use legal zoom or some other similar services to get their form contracts but the difference is since they've gone through the three years of law school and um, passed the bar and everything they know what needs to be tweaked in order to customize it to you so if um I, this is what i'd say to that those documents work <laughs> as long as nothing goes wrong because if something goes wrong then then you might encounter some problems so if if finances are difficult to, for you to a point where you really legitimately cannot afford a custom legal document, go ahead and use LegalZoom and then have a lawyer review it. That'll cut your price in half or more. Gotcha. Well, that's very helpful. That's illuminating for me. Also, would love to be illuminated on the second uh, operation that you've started up, the American Negotiation Institute, a little bit more the catalyst for that, the inspiration and the mission of A&I. Yeah. So negotiation was always my passion. I discovered it in law school, um, kind of by accident. So I went to Ohio State University for law school, and um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but they were the second-ranked dispute resolution program in the country. And now they're actually like ranked number one. And so I took this negotiation course and I fell in love because I my background is in psychology. I really like understanding the way people think. And for me, the blend between psychology and business equals negotiation because it's figuring out the way people think and learning how to convince them to get what you want and, and strengthen relationships at the same time. And the thing that really impressed me about negotiation is that it's the most um, transferable business skill you have. Because I remember I went into class one day, learned a technique, and then I was able to diffuse a hostile negotiation at home with my wife later that evening, you know? And so the thing is, we're negotiating every day. Whenever you're in a conversation with somebody and one of one or more of the people in the conversation wants something, you're in a negotiation. And when you look at it that way, you realize that there's no way to avoid it. You're negotiating all the time. With that reality, you might as well get good at it so you can get more of what you want and strengthen those relationships. So while I was in school, I had the opportunity to compete in a negotiation competition at Ohio State. And uh, my partner and I were fortunate enough to win that competition. And then we were able to represent the school at the regional competition in Ottawa, Ontario. And we won that competition, too. And then we were able to make it to the semifinals of the national competition in New Orleans, Louisiana. So after that, I was just hooked. I couldn't get enough and just kept on learning those skills and honing those skills. And now with the American Negotiation Institute, I get to teach people the skills. And that's really my passion. Of course, I love to do. I love to negotiate. I love that co the competitive aspect of it and the ability to solve problems. But for me... I love seeing that aha moment on people's face when they realize, oh, I negotiate every day. And oh, that was an opportunity to uh, to get a better deal. Because for small businesses, um, imagine if you're able to close ten uh, your contracts at a 10% higher. I mean, that could be significant. And you didn't even have to change anything in your business. It's just because you have this skill, you can really make some serious moves in your business. Absolutely. I'm curious, how do those competitions work? Like, is that, are there judges? I've, I've never really even actually heard of that type of competition. Before. Yeah, I, I didn't either until I had the opportunity to do it. Um, so imagine you and a partner sitting at a table 
and then you are given um, a fictional client, and the other side is given a fictional client. So there's general information that you both get, and then there's confidential information that only your, your client told you. And so you, it's a situation where there's some kind of problem between the, the two parties, or they're trying to negotiate a business deal. And then you come to the table and try to get the best deal for your client. And then there are going to be judges looking at you. So professional um, business people who, or lawyers or mediators or actual judges would judge your the outcome to make sure that you represented your client well and judge the rapport between you and the other team. Because um, one thing that people often don't realize is that one of the three pillars of negotiation is strengthening relationships with those around you. So negotiation can be used offensively to try and get a better deal and try to get more. It could be used defensively to save money. And then the last pillar, like I said, is strengthening relationships. So that uh, competition got to judge you on all three pillars. And fortunately enough, because I was such a nerd, I I couldn't stop preparing. Um, I was able to do pretty well with my partner. That's pretty cool. I I think that when some people hear that notion or maybe even just connecting lawyer and negotiation, they kind of maybe go to a dark place. But where my mind often goes is if you can figure out a way to make a deal mutually beneficial, getting back to that relationship side of it, then you have the foundation for which to continue to do deals in the future, uh, as opposed to if you kind of have like a one-off mentality where I just have to win this negotiation and that's it. I I was actually reading... Um, a book, The Oral History by Jim Miller of CAA. And that was the downfall of one of the characters was the insatiable need to win the negotiation and squeeze a deal for all it was worth. Uh, I'd love it if you'd expand a little bit more on those pillars and, and if that makes you think of anything else that you tend to teach your students. Absolutely. And it's a really great point that you, you made just now because a lot of times people look at negotiation as a zero-sum game where my winning necessitates your losing. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You hear the term win-win negotiation so often now that it kind of has lost meaning. But essentially what you want to do is you want to, if you were to use the, the metaphor of sitting at a table, instead of sitting across from the person, come to the same side and look at the problem with them as a partner and try to solve the problem. And when you negotiate well... You're not just trying to figure out a way to divide the pie. If you do it well and you're creative, you can expand the pie and both people can actually get a better deal just because you work together well. And it reminds me of a story that I heard of about the agent for Larry Bird. His name was Bob Wolf. And one of the things that he would do in his negotiations, and obviously, judging by his clientele, he was very good at negotiating is he would intentionally leave about 10% of the value that he knew he could have claimed on the table. Because if you just go and you try and clean the other person's clock, let's say you, you do that and you get more, the problem is, what's that other person going to feel like? They're going to say, you know what, I do not ever want to deal with Kwame again because he just took everything and, and left me with nothing. And then you have people that are out to get you because, yeah, maybe I had the power and I was able to leverage that power in order to squeeze as much as I can out of them. The power dynamics are are relative. They can change very quickly. And so then if that person has the same opportunity, I know I'm going to get squeezed too. So you always need to maintain a strong relationship with the person you're negotiating with because you never know how it can come back to bite you. Can you offer some examples of 
negotiations that you've had to do outside of these competitions, examples of clients that you've had to negotiate for and what type of deals you help them maneuver through? Yeah. Um, reminds me of one client that I'm working with now. He was, he's trying to get startup funding. Well, actually he, he got it. And, um, he, it's a really cool business. It's a, a gaming company that where it's going to be kind of like a social gaming arena where you can come in and play games with your friends, like video games like um, Xbox, PS3, those type of things. And so he had about a million dollar valuation and some people wanted to come in and try and take about roughly 30% of the company for about between two hundred and $300,000. And so we were pretty happy with the deal honestly, the, the way it was initially written. And we pushed a little bit um, and we're, we were able to get about to lower their equity ask for by about, I think it was about 3% or so. We asked for 10 uh, to go for them to go down about 10%. But the thing was, we realized we were getting a good deal. We could have gone back and forth a little bit more and squeezed a little bit of equity out of it. But the thing is, in that situation, those investors wanted to be to play an active role in in the partnership. They didn't want to just be the silent investors making moving their money. They actually wanted to do some stuff. And so we realized that in order to preserve that a strong working relationship, we didn't want to jeopardize that just for one or two percent. And so even though we knew we could have pushed a little bit more and squeezed a little bit more value for the sake of the relationship, we just accepted it as it was, and we moved forward. That's awesome. I think that uh, I think that's something that a lot of people could uh, stand to learn from, and I think it also requires a degree of humility as well. That when you come into a negotiation like that, not seeing yourself as uh, the biggest ego in the room, the the kingmaker, realizing that you can all be partners is is a huge, huge part of that. Kwame, help uh, lead us through some other areas, some other methods that you teach through the American Negotiation Institute. Um, one of the biggest things that I teach, and I, I'm going to play off your use of the word humility, is the importance of humility because you need to, in order to be to be a great negotiator, you need to ask great questions and you need to listen. Though that's the bedrock of great negotiation. Um, so in order to do that, you need to have humility because it takes a very confident person to be able to be quiet <laughs> in the negotiation and genuinely listen to what the other person says. And so l let me give you this metaphor. This is one of my favorite metaphors. And so uh, I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you a question. If you had a choice, um, would you rather have your hand on the steering wheel or your foot or the on the gas or brake pedal? And you, you could only choose one of the two. Oh, um, I guess the steering wheel. Yes. And, and why? Um, cause I feel like maneuvering side to side will at least help spare some lives, hopefully. And uh, <laughs> I can avoid, have a chance of avoiding obstacles. Exactly. It gives you control. The, the person with their feet on the gas or brake can decide the speed at which we travel, but you have the control. So in a negotiation, how do we put our hand on the steering wheel? We do that by asking open-ended questions. And so for me, in my negotiations, my goal is to keep the conversation breakdown 70-30, where I'm listening 70% of the time and only talking 30% of the time. And so what's interesting is that the person with whom I'm talking, he he or she feels like they're in control because they're doing the talking. And so they feel comfortable. But what's really interesting is that I'm in control. I'm leading the conversation where I want it to go. And when you ask the right questions, you can lead people down 
a logical path where they actually convince themselves. Because what you want to do in a negotiation is is create an atmosphere where they feel comfortable enough to change their mind. And when you look at situations where you've changed your mind, you don't want to go, you don't want to end the conversation thinking, you know, I changed my mind because Aaron was so much smarter than me and he tricked me into changing my mind. You, you want the person to think, you know what, after I thought about it, you know, this was the, actually the right way to go. When in reality, they didn't come to that conclusion themselves. It was the questions that you asked that led them down that path and to that conclusion. Yeah, that sounds a lot like sales. My background's in sales, and it's very similar. Similarly, a question-oriented endeavor where you're uncovering needs, you're uncovering problems, headaches, and then solving for that. I guess it really just is another form of negotiation. But I'm curious, you made me think there with the 70-30 rule, and and. I'm wondering if in a negotiation, since there isn't the same type of one person's the salesperson, the other person is the potential client relationship, you're kind of both negotiators in some sense. How do you ever run into someone else with like that same philosophy where you're both uh, 30% talkers, 70% listeners, and you kind of spend the whole time trying to get the <laughs> other one to give something up? Is that a, is that a common phenomenon? Yeah, it's... It's interesting. And you know, it's it's funny. Imagine, I, I like MMA, mixed martial arts. So imagine if there's a bad fighter versus a good fighter, the good fighter is going to win and it's going to look ugly. You know, it's going to be decisive. <laughs> but when you have a good negotiator going against a good negotiator, you would think, oh, I'd rather go against a bad negotiator <laughs> so I could take advantage of them. But it, it's the exact opposite. You want to negotiate with somebody who has high level negotiation skills because negotiation is, is like a dance. If you have a bad partner, everybody looks bad. You know, people can get hurt. Uh, shoes get stepped on. It's not a good thing. But when you have two, dan two dancers that are high level dancers, it looks beautiful. And so what does that mean in negotiation? In an actual negotiation, when you are going against somebody that's good, you spend time, it's almost like a, it's almost like a braining, brainstorming session where you're passing back and forth creative solutions, creating more and more value and focusing on strengthening the relationship. It's a, that's my, one of my favorite things. If I run into a good negotiator, that means this is going to take a significantly less time, which saves money for my clients. And I know I'm going to get a good deal and the relationship's going to be intact. So negotiating against somebody with high level skills is exactly what you want to do. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's illuminating for me. I, I'm imagining some listeners uh, don't necessarily see a big equity negotiation or other kind of major talk like this on the horizon. And for those folks out there that might not have the same kind of high stakes scenario coming up for them, how can they apply good negotiation skills, traits, values to their everyday lives? What, what arenas can they uh, use them? Yeah. So the the people with whom you're going to negotiate with the most are the people that are closest to us. So let's think about who those people are. So it's going to be family. So for me, one of my biggest negotiations this year was when I decided to quit my job, the full-time job, in order to pursue these entrepreneurial endeavors. So I had to negotiate with my wife because we had a mortgage. We had a, an eight-month-old at the time. It was <laughs> it was not a good time. So I'm, I'm glad I had these skills to be able to, to make that one happen. But let's say we're in the, um, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be negotiating with clients. Or if you're in the corporate world, you're, you're going to have to negotiate with teammates. Because with people who are your colleagues in the corporate world, 
um, there's going to be the battle of ideas. If we're working on a project, which way do we go? How do we how do we handle this? What what are our steps? And so those are simple opportunities for you to negotiate that have serious ramifications on the outcome of the of the project. And for entrepreneurs, let's say even after you seal the deal with a client, you need to learn how to convince them to to adopt your your recommendations. That's one of the toughest things for me as an attorney, especially when you have um, clients who are very intelligent. Sometimes that's the toughest kind of client because they think they know what they need to do. And so you need to work with them to convince them to to take the right course of action. So it's it's easy for us to get focused on the the obvious types of negotiations, like the salary negotiation, the car negotiation, etc. But every day, there are opportunities to use these skills to persuade the people that are you, you work with the closest um, in order to get better deals and, and move forward and strengthen relationships. Absolutely. And I think that uh, we, we've already talked about this, but empathy being a huge key in those daily negotiations, you can't approach it necessarily from the the standpoint of the sociopathic, every single thing is a deal. I have to, I have to win every deal. I think that that would be tiring for you and others without a oh, doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, this has been great, Kwame. Uh, before we head over and tell people how to connect with you and you issue a personal challenge for the audience, I just want to make sure there wasn't anything that I didn't give you a chance to say today. No, I th- <laughs> this was great. I, you know, it's funny when it's uh, two podcasters chatting with each other. Uh, the conversation goes really smoothly. I think I think we covered pretty much everything. Nice. Yeah, I I joke to myself sometimes. It's it's like I blink and we're 20 minutes into the conversation and I feel like uh, I could go another 20 sometimes. But uh, <laughs> if people are intrigued and want to learn more about being better negotiators and just your story in general, Kwame, what digital coordinates can we direct them to? I would say, shameless plug, check out my podcast. It's uh, called Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. I'm here on iTunes or whatever. It's on iTunes, Stitcher. It's on Google Play, you know, on the major podcast networks. And um, it's I have a lot of fun with it. And it's not just for people who are entrepreneurs. People, I, The majority of my audience is actually in the corporate world. But um, one of the things I like to do in the in the show is give freebies. So I have a salary negotiation guide, a car negotiation guide, all sorts of things, because I want to make sure that the advice that I give is practical and and actionable. And I want to systematize the process as much as I can for you all, um, because a lot of times this uh, the literature on persuasion and uh, negotiation can be so esoteric, it's hard for people to really relate to it in their everyday lives. So that's really what I want to do. Take the these big kind of nebulous ideas of negotiation and persuasion and break it down to practical, actionable tidbits. That's great. I love when we can make any topic like that more accessible for folks and have them feel a little bit more confident confidence when they're in that arena. Kwame, it's been great. Thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with us today. I want to give you the mic, though, one last time to take things away with a personal challenge for the listeners. Perfect. Yes. My personal challenge is to negotiate something within the next seven days. Negotiate intentionally. And um, one of the things I like to do is engage in rejection therapy, because the first step in every negotiation is the ask. 
And unfortunately, that's where most negotiation fails because they, they, people don't ask because they're afraid of rejection. So go out there and ask for something that you want, even if you don't think you'll get it. And I have a perfect example of that. Uh, I was shocked about an hour ago. I was trying to get a big name on the podcast. And so I was like, I'm a Caribbean American. Uh, let's go for a, the biggest Caribbean American that we, we know. So I was like, let me get Colin Powell. Let me try and call Colin Powell. And so I did a lot of research. I found his home phone number online and called him and I spoke to him. (laughs) I I was shocked, you know? And so it, it, after doing that, I felt, I I feel like no fear. I, then I reached out to Damon John afterwards and I'm going to reach out to one of my favorite authors, uh, Grant Cardone. Cause after talking to Colin Powell himself, um, it's like, well, shoot, what, what am I going to be afraid of? You know, so engage in rejection therapy because it'll make you stronger for when it's time for you to actually ask for what you need, but always be prepared. And so for for me, even the smallest negotiations, if, if, even if it's a 10 minute call, I take about 45 minutes to prepare for that. And so the freebie that I want to give your audience, Aaron, is a, a free negotiation prep guide. So if they go to my website, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash prep, you can get this free guide that'll help you through the small negotiations and the bigger negotiations um, because the, the the most important thing you can do before your negotiation is prepare. It is the single most important part of the negotiation process. So um, looking forward to giving that one away for free and hopefully it helps some people out in their everyday negotiations. Yeah, we will be sure to link to that in the show notes for this episode at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. You'll be able to find the prep guide, the podcast, and all the other good social media information for Kwame. Thank you so much, man, for, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it and enjoyed speaking with you today. My pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. This this was a blast. Thank you for having me. Cool. We just went deep with Kwame Christian. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, before you go, please make sure you hit subscribe and also head over to goingdeepwithaaron.com slash join to sign up for our infrequent newsletter where we curate some of the best digital content out there just for you, save you that time of scrolling through a shitty Facebook or Twitter news feed and get the quality content that you're looking for, links, videos, and other things that will help make you wiser and more worldly. That and more in forthcoming episodes of Going Deep with Aaron. Aaron Watson.